we're leaving Virginia and it was just fine for the first well, 40 minutes or so. And then all of a sudden my car just slowed down. I, I called my friend, I said, look, I'm having a problem. Let's pull over. And we said, look, let's just go to the next exit. We're going to find plenty of mechanics here. Can't find a mechanic. So we finally went, all right, look, we got to be back in New York to go to work tomorrow morning. Even if it means I got to go slow, we'll just do that. We went from Mechanicsburg to New York, never went over 30 miles an hour. The whole time. Welcome back to another episode of Drive With Us Podcast. I'm Bob Neat. And I'm Taryn G. And we are actually coming close to an end of this season. This is our second to last episode of season four. And we just wanted to say thank you for continuing to support us. And we would love to hear your feedback of what you've liked and any suggestions on what you would like to see on future episodes. You can do so by clicking the feedback form in the show notes below or messaging us on Instagram at Drive With Us Podcast. And as a thank you, everyone who completes a feedback form will get some free DWAP merch. Again, thank you so much for all your support. And without further ado, let's meet today's driver, Bill Cushing. Bill is now a semi-retired English instructor who spent a number of years before returning to college as a shipyard worker, bartender, and cabbie, among other gigs. He's been published in numerous journals, magazines, and newspapers. Bill's third book of poetry was released last July, and his current writing project is a memoir of his younger days, beginning with serving in the Navy and will close out prior to the eventual return to college at the age of 37. Originally from New York City, Bill now resides in Glendale, California with his wife and their son. Here's Bill. Welcome, Bill, to Drive With Us podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. Completely my pleasure. Love this kind of thing. We're excited to talk to you about your crazy driving experiences. But before we dive into that, let's give our listeners a better sense of your driving background. So what are some of the places that you've driven and where are you currently? I grew up in New York in the city. That's where I learned to drive and, and drove. And then, oh God, I've driven in several states because I went to Missouri for a while. I lived in Baltimore. I spent years in Virginia, in Florida. I was even in Puerto Rico, and now I'm in California. How would you describe your relationship with driving? Is it something you enjoy? Is it something you don't like as much? And do you prefer being the driver or passenger? That's funny because I'm not a big fan of driving, which puts me at a disadvantage in California because everybody loves their cars, apparently. But to me, it, it's a utilitarian process. I'm trying to get from one place to another, and that's all I really want to do. Now, as far as I have no problem with being the passenger, to be quite honest, I just fall right asleep. If I'm in the passenger seat, I'm going to zone out for however long we're on the road. Do you think that learning to drive in New York is what influenced that feeling of not loving driving as like yeah, a... Bro. Probably, yeah, yeah. New York City is. And of course, now I'm in LA, which is well known for its good driving practices. In fact, my sister was telling me about this because our father was a very angry driver, to say the least. And one time she was talking to me how her youngest son, well, younger son, this is when he was probably, I don't know, eight, nine years old. And, and he, I guess he had a play date with a friend of his and when the woman brought him back home, she asked my sister, she said, is your husband an angry driver? And she says, no, no, Patrick's great. This is her husband. And he's fine. And she says, well, the whole way over here, 
Ryan was in the back seat yelling at all the cars. Come on, pick a lane. It's only one shade of green. And she went, oh my God, that's me. <laughs> and I thought, I said, well, we grew up with our father driving all the time. So that that's him. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not the most patient driver in the world. Because like I say to me, it's, I just want to get from one place to the next. And that must be very hard in California. <laughs> yeah, although, and here again, tying into the Puerto Rican thing, one of the things I tell people here, when people start complaining about driving, I say, well, it's bad, but it's not as bad as Puerto Rico, believe me. In fact, it's, it's funny. I even a, a, arrange my schedule as best I can so that I'm driving against the traffic. So when I go to work, most of the traffic is going the other way. And when I'm coming home, the same thing. And even in New York, I did that. That's really interesting. Wow. <laughs> I've done that once going to a job and I was going against traffic, not intentionally, but Lucky for me, I was going against traffic and I was mm -hmm. like, wow, this is the best thing to see all the traffic going the opposite direction. It's so true. When I get in those situations where I'm stuck in traffic, I just think to myself over and over again, I can't believe people do this every day as a routine. I, I don't understand what would induce anybody to put up with this. Yeah, and th this is a great segue into your crazy driving experiences. What would you say is one of your top three? Well, the first one, I grew up in New York, and anybody who's grown up in an area like that in the Northeast or, or the North, where there's a lot of snow, of course, driving in snow becomes a big part of your driver's ed experience. And the one thing the instructor always hammers into you is when you start to skid or you start to slide, turn into the skid and pump the brakes. And I'm like, yeah, okay, okay. We're all, yeah, all right, yeah, we know that. Anyhow, about a, oh, probably a year after I get my driver's license, I was dating a girl who was in Pennsylvania. And I went to visit her, and it was in the wintertime. And so I took my parents' car, and uh, I'm driving. And I decided, you know, before I go, let me stop and get some chips and soda and some stuff to take with me, you know, on the trip. So I'm coming down this one particular hill where I lived, and all of a sudden, the back end of the car is catching up with the front end. It was very icy. And it was so funny because I turned into the skid just fine. So I had the car straightened out. But my mind the whole time is saying, pump the brakes, pump the brakes. Pump. But my foot is slammed right down to the floor just about. And I'm sitting there you idiot, pump the brakes. You're not supposed to be doing this. And I just sort of watch myself slide into another car. Uh, and, and hit this other car. After it happened, it was funny because I, I, I just wrote the, I, I said, look, I'm going to see my girlfriend. I'm not going to interrupt this weekend. So I wrote a note, stuck it on the person's uh, windshield. I said, call me uh, Monday morning or Sunday night when I get back. And luckily, I, I, this was back in the day when those cars were made out of steel and, you know, a ball peen hammer could pretty much fix any problem you had cosmetically. So, but yeah, my first major accident was just sliding right into the car. And like I say, it was just so funny, the separation between my mind and body on that one. Yeah, I feel like when you're taught to drive, especially like to drive in like snow or different types of weather, you learn one thing, but it doesn't go through your mind as quickly not, and easily when you're in the situation the first time. Well, not until you go through the experience. Let me tell you, from then on, I religiously pumped the brakes. <laughs> never been, and I remember the next time I got caught in that scenario and I put it on, I'm like, ah, it does work. <laughs> but it was just funny because it's one of those scenarios where, you know, how they talk about time slowing down. 
I'm watching myself slide into this other car and just thinking, what is wrong with you? You can't get your foot to do the right thing. It's definitely a whole different experience. Like, you know, you see in the movies where like time slows, but then yeah. you're like, that can't be true. But then you're there and you're like, yeah. it's really, you're just like watching it slow-mo. Yeah, it was. Then I, I went to, I started school at the University of Missouri. And uh, this is probably the next big story is learning to drive a stick, which I had never driven before. And Missouri, I don't know if you've ever been to the Midwest, but a lot of open spaces. And I was hanging around with this friend of mine and, and we were talking and, and I don't know how we got into the conversation, but he asked me, he said, have you ever driven a stick before? I said, no. He says, ah, come on, it's time to learn. So we go out there and he walks me through it. And I think he had a Camaro or something, a really nice car. And he takes us out to this country road out there. Now it was a very foggy night, but he says, ah, but there's nothing for miles on this road. We're, we're good. I'm driving and I got a rocky start, obviously the first time out, but I finally, I guess I'm in third gear. I'm probably doing about 35, 40 miles an hour. All of a sudden the road tees. I'm looking at a forest in front of me and I just, I did not know what to do. I just automatically hit the brakes. Luckily I hit the clutch too. I just slammed both feet down and skidded around to a halt just before the road ended. And I looked over at him and he goes, oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> How do you forget about that? Yeah, I know. I know. I've, since then, obviously I drove sticks quite a while. Of course, you don't find them anymore. Actually, it kind of reminds me, now this is one where I was a passenger and I was in the Navy. We were stationed out of Norfolk and one of the guys I was on the ship with has me go with him to buy a car. It was a little Sunbeam Alpines, kind of like an MG, a little boxy, sporty car, but you know, nice little two-seater, the fun to drive. Well, we're driving back to the base and he pulls up at a light and we're sitting side by side with like a Ferrari or a Lamborghini. I don't even remember what the guy was driving, but a really expensive Italian sports car. My friend starts gunning the engine. And I'm like, you're kidding, right? I mean, this, guy, this guy's going to eat you alive. It was so funny because I was on the inside. The, the driver in the sports car looks over at me and I'm just kind of like, hey, what can I tell you? I ask him, I don't, it makes no sense to me. But a light changes the green and my friend just jumps on it. And of course the guy in the Ferrari takes off as well. We're keeping up with him and he's in first gear and you know, then he throws it into second and we're still side by side with the guy in the other car. He gets into third and we're still right with him. And then just as he's about to go into fourth gear, the other guy goes into second and just took off. He left us in the dust. And he was toying with you like, yeah, yeah, you're oh, keeping yeah, up he, with me. Was, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't blame him one bit. I would have too. When I was in Puerto Rico, it, it's such a weird, I think the only thing I can equate it with is possibly Rome or Egypt as far as the driving <laughs> to the people there. And, and it was so weird because I got down there and at the time I gave up driving. I, I just said, this is making me nuts. I, I'm going to kill somebody if I keep driving. So I was, I, I was only two miles away from work so I could walk. And I remember one day my neighbor takes off the same time I took off and just as I'm getting to where I worked, it's like I said, it's two miles away. He was just passing by. I actually beat you to work walking. But I, I walked in and the secretary of the place, she she noticed me walking in the front door. She says, well, didn't you park out back? I said, no, I walked. She goes, oh, you don't drive? I said, no, you know, 
I drive, I just don't drive here. And she said, don't you know how to drive here? I said, well, yes, I know how you drive here. You close your eyes, twist the wheel and lay on the horn and that's it. <laughs> I just choose not to, I want to keep my sanity, but I just, I, I could not drive there. It just absolutely drove me nuts. And so, yeah, whenever I hear people in LA talk about it, I said, yeah, I admit the traffic here is bad, but I would see things. I mean, I watched a guy drive for probably three quarters of a mile backwards. And it wasn't like he was on the other side of the street riding backwards with traffic. He was literally, and this is a main drag. I'm like, you guys must be convinced of your immortality or something. I don't, you know, it makes no sense to me. I watched another guy one time. This is when I was actually driving at one point. And the guy is stopped on the side of the highway, a main highway. Now he's only about, he couldn't have been more than 18, 20 feet from an exit. So he could have easily pulled off and just gotten back on. He stopped the car in the highway. He's got his door wide open. His butt is sticking out nearly in the road. And he's shuffling through papers. I'm like, all you need is one sloppy driver. You're going to lose everything. It was really weird to me. Well, this is actually, all these stories are a great segue into our next question, which you kind of touched on this a little bit, but we're curious to know if you've noticed any specific types of drivers in different areas. That's funny because one of the things, and I guess my best experience is between New York City drivers and LA drivers, which where I've got the most experience. And the thing that drives me nuts up here, well, for one thing, I've noticed that turn signals are supposed to be a magic wand, I guess, or something. I mean, I've noticed people cutting into a lane and putting on the blinker just as they're making the move. And I'm like, no, the idea is to put it on before you make the move. So I know what you're getting to do. It's not a magic wand that, that clears all traffic out. <laughs> and I think the other thing that it's funny because I know New Yorkers, yes, we are aggressive. We are, you know, we can be belligerent and all that stuff. The traffic gets backed up, but people still move. I mean, you'll be bumper to bumper, but going 40 miles an hour. Here, it's like, you know, eight, then you're up to maybe 15, 20, then you're back down to eight. That's like, I've reached a conclusion as to why that happens, at least out here. I don't know if it's true in other areas, but whenever traffic really backs up, I keep saying to myself, it's probably eight people at the head of the line that are causing all this problem. In other words, it's not the whole bunch. It's some group that just for whatever reason, I, you know, rubbernecking, whatever, which of course, that always drives me nuts when I see that. I was just like, come on, you've never seen an ambulance before. You've never seen a fire truck before in your life. And it's like, let's go. Let's just get home. That's what we're trying to do. The thing that drives me nuttier, nuttiest out here, though, is there's this predilection of people not to want anybody to be in front of them, even if it makes sense. Like, I'll be trying to move from one lane to the other, and this guy's trying to get in my lane. Well, since I'm exiting, it makes more sense for me to slow down and for him to speed up and then we'll just switch ways. And they'll just refuse to do it. I'm like, come on. <laughs> but it would make sense for one of us to get in front of the other and, and just do it this way. But nope, nobody can be in front of me. And so I think that's what drives me nuttier. New York, unless you're on the parkways or, or in, in, of course, Manhattan will drive you crazy. Anyway, I would just take the train and the subway. The problem is out here, it's not reliable. It's, you know, they, they do have a rail system, but it's the schedule is not that, you know, in New York, I don't know if you've ever been there, but, you know, every five minutes there's a subway coming. You miss one, yeah, you wait 10 minutes, another one will be along. But yeah, I try and drive so that everybody can get by. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I hate when people 
will either like change lanes and then like turn on the signal after they've already done it. Sometimes using the, or at least I've noticed in Maryland, it's like you have to be assertive because if you put on the signal and then kind of like wait, for someone to let you over, and oh, yeah. going to actually mm-hmm. let it over. Well, I've done that a few times. Where it's just okay. I'm tired of being a nice guy. I'm just, you know, everybody else is doing it. Hey, I'll join it. Of course, I got to be more careful on that now because we just bought a new car. We have the wheelchair van, the ramp van, and my wife tends to go more into LA downtown, so she likes to take the car because. It's not as big and as clumsy. It's easier to park, and I'll take the van to work. Well, speaking of the crazy drivers that you've experienced on the road, have you ever experienced road rage, whether it was you yourself or someone towards oh, God. you? Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> I, I grew up taught by, being taught how to drive by my dad. He was really... It's funny because my wife now, well, what does that prove? I said, well, it actually, it doesn't do anything outside of the car, but it makes the inside of the car work a little bit. At least it diffuses me a little bit by yelling and screaming. Again, it goes back to, I don't really want to be there. I have to be there. So as long as I'm there, I try and, you know, relax as much as I can. But it sometimes gets very difficult. Like, you know, we go to the Dodgers games all the time. And we know the traffic's going to be lousy getting there. So, okay, instead of leaving, because we're really only 15, 20 minutes from the stadium. But we'll leave an hour early because we know it's going to be horrible. So let's just avoid the tension by just... Let's leave the games at five. We'll leave at four. No, that's actually a good way to think of it, of if you do have the, I guess, if you are more likely to get road rage or irritated with other drivers to just give yourself more time. So going a little into your first time driving experiences, how would you describe your very first time driving and who was it with? Probably the first time was when I had the learner's permit and we were practicing. My mom took me out, let me practice in their car. And I always remember this one was we're driving along and I veer off to get on the Long Island Expressway. And my mom is like, you're getting on the Expressway. I said, I got to learn. <laughs> and so I think her hands probably tightened on the seat of the cushion. So how would you describe your driving test experience? Were you able to pass it on the first Oh, yeah, drive? I had no problem with it, actually. When I got out here, I had to do it all over again. Because like I say, I let my license lapse when I was in Puerto Rico. So when I moved out here, I had to basically start all over again. But I was like, okay, fine. The driving instructor we had was, you know, seemed to be pretty good. I still remember a lot of how he said to do things. Although I have to admit that now that I'm older, I avoid certain things I would have done with no problem. Like I hate parallel parking the van. I would rather just drive around the block and find someplace where I can just pull in. A lot of that is because of the, the, the construction of the van itself. It's got a very low side edge because of the ramp assembly. Uh, parallel parking is one of those things where like people either love it or they absolutely yeah. hate it. With the car, I've got no problem, but the van is so wide and it's so hard for me to gauge. It's just the van is so low. I'm always scared. It's not worth the hassle. I know on the form that we had you fill out before you came on the show, you mentioned about a instance with your car that the mechanics couldn't figure out the problem. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot I mentioned that. What happened was I went from Virginia back to New York and 
when I found the place, I had a, a guy I met at the new job where I was. He had a truck. He said, yeah, I'll go down with you and move your stuff up. I left all my stuff down in Virginia. So about a month later, I go down there. And we're leaving. We leave Virginia. And it was just fine for the first know, 40 minutes or so. And then all of a sudden, my car just slowed down. And so at that time, this is when you had citizen band radios, the CBs. And I, I called my friend. I said, look, I'm having a problem. Let's pull over. And we looked it over. He looked it over. He, he knew cars pretty much. I said, I don't, I don't know what's doing it. So we said, look, let's just go to the next exit. And it, as fate would have it, it was almost perfect. The exit was to Mechanicsville, which I don't know if you know that area of Virginia, but it's got a big racetrack there. And I go, great. We're going to find plenty of mechanics here. Can't find a mechanic in Mechanicsville. Where else are you going to find one? So we, we did find one guy who was working on his car. That guy must have spent, him and two of his friends must have spent five hours on the car trying to figure it out. Could not figure it out at all. So we finally went, all right, look, I got to get, we got to be back in New York to go to work tomorrow morning. Even if it means I got to go slow, we'll just do that. And we went from Mechanicsburg to New York, never went over 30 miles an hour. The whole time and it is draining i mean just it's bad enough driving long distances but if you're doing 30 35 the whole way it's just like oh every few hours we had to stop get coffee just stretch and then okay let's go back on it just wears you out well it turns out when when i got back up there i dropped it off at a guy's place and gave it to him i said look take whatever time you need turns out something had gotten caught up in the exhaust system which nobody you know who thinks of that he said, well, what was happening was it was backing everything else up and it wasn't letting you get any acceleration. And, it, and he told me, he said, man, it took me a day and a half to figure it out. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a really, oh, Lord, what a terrible trip that was. What should have been a six hour drive turned into almost 12 or 13 hours. It's already like such a long trip. You had to double the time because you're practically like pedaling. <laughs> I know. Yeah, you might as well. Now that we've heard a little bit about your past driving experience and your current driving experiences, let's talk a little bit about the future of driving. What are your thoughts on self-driving cars and would you get in one? I Not for a while. I think driving is every bit as much intuitive as it is mechanical. For example, we, we just bought a new Honda Accord. And it's got the, you know, the lane stuff. And like half the time the stuff goes, off. no, I know that. I, you know, I'm aware of that. You don't have to tell me. If you can get the car to self-drive with absolute safety and I don't have to worry about anything, fine. Even now, there's a, well, you can have this self-driving, but you have to be aware. Well, well then what's the point? If I got to be aware, I might as well be driving. Like I said, if I'm not driving, I'm going to be sleeping. So I'm not against them per se, but you wouldn't get me in one right away. Yeah, they are still relatively new and they're still not fully self-driving at no. this point. I definitely would want to see more of how reliable they are once they've been yeah. on the road. But it's like any technology. Whenever something new comes out, I always say, yeah, give it four or five years. Let them work the bugs out. Let the price come down. It will. I don't need to have the fanciest thing in the world. But any form of technology like that, it's going to go through a shaking out period. Yeah, exactly. Bonus question time. Are you ready? Sure. If you could make one new driving law, what would it be? Oh, geez. It can be as realistic or crazy as you want it to be. Well, I've always said I, I think they need to have an idiot's lane on the highway. In other words, you want to stop and look, get over here, let the rest of us go home. I never understand that. 
there's nothing I can do to help the people involved in the accident or whatever the event is. I've seen it all. You know, I've seen fire trucks. I've seen ambulances. I've seen police cars. Not a novelty. So why are we stopping to look? Other than this weird fascination of, well, better him than me, I guess. Because, yeah, whenever I get in that scenario, that's that's what I'm yelling mostly. Like, Come on. <laughs> What could you possibly contribute to this situation? And what you could contribute is moving. <laughs> exactly. Now, only if, will they follow that? If this was a lane, would people actually move over? Or would they just stay in that lane? But it would be nice if, if you could do that. It's funny because when people ask you if you could have one superpower, what would it be? I always said telekinesis. Because that way I can just move everybody out of the way. I'll float them <laughs> up in the air as I get by. I'll put them back down. Let me just get going here. Well, we're coming close to an end of the podcast, but we wanted to ask you if you have any final thoughts or any tips that you would give other drivers. This may not be the best advice, but it's the one I always grew up with from my father. And he said, when you're driving, he said to me, Dri defensive driving is this. It's trying to think of the most stupid thing the person beside or in front of you can do and then expect something even worse. That's the way you drive. Just whatever you expect can be done. It's going to be worse probably at some point. Yeah. <laughs> well, before we let you go, we want to give you a chance to plug anything. Where can listeners find you? I've got several books of poetry out. I'm, I'm working on some other things. I'm, actually, if people just go onto Google and put Bill Cushing poet, this is another Bill Cushing I know who writes. It's a very popular name. If anybody would like, I, I would welcome if you'd like to give my email, if anybody wants to check out what my books are and what they're like, I'd I'm happy to provide either information, links. You have my email. Feel free to post it. Yep, we will put it in the show notes. Well, right. thank you so much for coming on today. It was really fun talking to you and hearing about the craziness of driving in, especially like Puerto Rico and Peru. I didn't realize how crazy they were. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for inviting me on. I, I enjoyed it. Always fun reminiscing about my youth. Bill had some really interesting experiences both throughout the U.S. and in South America. The story that actually really stuck with me was his car problem that he had in Virginia and no mechanic could figure out what was wrong and he had to drive the entire way back to New York going 30 miles per hour. Could you imagine driving that slow for that long? Especially for yeah, that long of a distance. Imagine being on the highway. You know, we've driven some of those highways and you're just like in the corner, just be like, the speed, especially if he was taking like 95, the speeds can get 65. up to 70. Yeah. And you're over here doing 30. <laughs> that is asking for an accent. Like, that is crazy. And nobody could figure out what was wrong. No one. So, we actually did do a, I guess it was about 13 hour road trip, which is how long it took him to get to New York. Except for we were going uh, speed limits, <laughs> like not Exactly, 30. that's what I'm saying. It, I feel like that 13-hour drive was exhausting, and we were going 70 miles per hour for most of it. Imagine yeah. having to do that trip in 30 miles per hour. I wouldn't. I would have to take so many more breaks, because the points where the speed dropped da back down to like 50 or 55, you're just like, oh, I want to go back to 70. <laughs> yeah, that... I just hope that never happens to anyone. Yeah. Well, that was Bill. We hope you enjoyed hearing his driving stories. And be sure to stay tuned until the end of this episode to hear a sneak peek of next week's episode with Rihanna Avis, our second UK driver. Yeah. Whoa. Two in one season. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs>
And she shares about the time her car had a mind of its own and honked whenever it wanted and all the quirks that came with driving her Volkswagen Bug. Thank you for tuning in this week. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support the show by sharing it with your friends or leaving us a review. It truly does help us get discovered. Thanks for choosing to drive with us. And we'll see you next week for our last episode of this season. I had a friend. For some reason, her car became impounded and she had to go and fetch her children from nursery school and she asked if she could borrow one of our cars. I said, you can borrow my Beetle, but here's the rules. The petrol gauge doesn't work. So you'd have no idea how much petrol you have. The the brakes itself, you have to pump them. So you can't brake hard because there's not going to be any brakes. It was definitely not a safe car to drive and I let my friend drive it.